This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. While some people do appear to have come into this world with a natural capacity to lead, they're not the norm. Erica Anderson, founder of Proteus International, author of Leading So People Will Follow, says her leadership capability falls along a bell curve. She asks that some people are indeed born leaders who fall the top of the bell curve, start out good and tend to get better as they go along, but the majority of us live in the middle of the curve. Does this make us mediocre leaders? Not at all. Anderson says this is where the real potential for made leaders lies and that most folks who start out with a modicum of innate leadership capability can actually become good, even great leaders. Sadly though, this potential is often not developed because many organizations do not look at leadership training as a priority. A pity really because it is often leaders who drive the culture of an organization. Today being the last Monday of the month, we have as usual, Human Equation founder Sheila Singham with us on Race It Game. Uh, this time around, we're going to discuss the role of leadership development in building robust, healthy organizations with satisfied employees. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning, Frida. Okay, your thoughts on the statement, leaders are born, not made. Well, I definitely do not agree with it. I personally don't think that I came out of my mother's womb a born leader. You know. <laughs> I'm inclined to believe that leaders are made, not born. Uh, because I, I'm a big believer that our environment plays a huge role in who we become. And, you know, I've been sort of reading on the emerging science of epigenetics, and it shows us how our environment influence, environmental influences can affect the expression of our genes. So contrary to popular belief, the genes we inherit from our parents uh, don't sort of set our future in stone, right? Mm. And a child born of leaders does not inherit a leadership gene. If he or she becomes one, it's most likely because um, they've modeled their parents or the people around who exhibited those skills. Mm. And this was something that uh, is was even believed back in the 1800s. There was a Victorian philosopher and sociologist called Herbert Spencer who said, it is a society in which a leader grows up that prepares him to be one. Mm. And only then can he take all his experiences and lead and reform society for the better. So if we subscribe to the belief that leaders are born, then we shouldn't waste time in developing all these leadership programs right. around. There wouldn't be so much leadership, so many leadership gurus, right? Because everyone would then just need to focus on genetic engineering to sort of put those leadership genes into embryos and create a breed of superheroes. Right. <laughs> which, which begs the question, right? If leadership skills can be developed, why aren't there better leaders in organizations? Mm-hmm. Well, you see, the thing is, I believe many companies aren't playing that emphasis, placing that emphasis on imparting leadership skills to their people. So leadership skills falls in the category of soft skills, which for me is a misnomer, um, Frida. Mm-hmm. Every time people say, what kind of training do you do? Oh, soft skills. is it? And I'm like, they're not soft at all. Mm-hmm. I call them essential skills. And I, I keep reiterating this and you know, trying to create to people. No, they're not soft. They're essential skills. And Simon Sinek, I mean, you you and I love, love Simon mm. Sinek's work. And he says they should be named, renamed human skills. Right. Okay? 
So if we want better leaders, we need to teach them to be better leaders. Lah. Mm. So in the business world, Frida, we measure accomplishment using key performance indicators that are very business-oriented. We look at a person's ability to close deals, generate profits, keep their costs down, achieve set targets, and you know keep shareholders happy in all these measurable parameters. Lah. But now many companies look at the metrics that measure skills such as the ability to manage people, earn their trust, or get the best out of them. But right. this is what you need to shape organization culture. Organizational cultures depend on human beings. All right. Very often, it's the leadership that drives it. So we need to also look at how we promote people. I mean, you have somebody who's a top sales performer or a great finance um, person, right? And then he, he's, he's met all his KPIs, like those so-called performance metrics that can be measured, met all of them. And then he gets a very high score. And next thing you know, we say, ah, we promote him. So promote the sales performer to manage a team. But we don't teach him how to lead a team. Right. Okay? And we don't teach them the leadership skills. So at the end of the day, you can, you look at many companies, they are very high performers, but they're very toxic, you know, in the right. way they handle people. Right. And then you ask yourself, why are they still there? Right. Harming people, hurting people, high turnover and all that. Right. And then the, the head of the organization says, yeah, but he's a high performer. You know, he keeps a, runs a tight ship. We need his expertise there. Yeah, but people are coming and running away from his department. doesn't know how to manage him. Mm. Why is he still there if he's toxic? Right. So are, are then toxic organizations the fault of their leaders? I would say in many cases, and, and, and I'm really putting myself on the line here, I would say yes. Hmm. Leaders have the responsibility to ensure that toxicity is not allowed. You know, I was I was once called in by the head of an organization to say, hey, can we have some sort of training? There are some toxic people here and they are in high position. Hmm. I'm like, okay, how do you know they're toxic? Well, we've done our employee engagement and feedback and interviews and people have said they're toxic. And so what's the reason they're toxic? Mm. And so he outlined all of it. And I'm like, mm, yeah, they are toxic. So I said to myself, have you done anything about it? And he looked at me in shock like me. Mm. I'm like, yeah, you're the, you're the CEO. Right. If this toxic thing is going on and people know about it and you know about it and it's impacting culture and performance, then you need to do something about it. Right. So, you know, people think that just running a company that you have your audited statements, your financial statements are all in order and you've got your SOPs in place and that makes a good organization. But they don't realize that toxic behavior can lead to behaviors that that infringe upon good governance. See, if the leader is like very authoritarian, punitive, uh, you know, he has that kind of a style of leadership, people will start hiding things from him, you know, scared that they'll be put in cold storage, punished and all that. So this could lead to cover-ups that in the long term does impact corporate governance and the reputation of the organization. Right. So speaking of which, how do you recognize toxic leaders in organizations? (laughs) <laughs> Very simple. Just walk into a company and ask people and they will tell you who are the toxic leaders in the organization. Mm. But, uh, and, 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 and you and I, we worked in corporations and we know that I had a, I had a boss that everybody admitted. I mean, of course, people will talk about it. And the behaviors, the behaviors that she emanated were very toxic. So mm. first of all, 
a leader who micromanages, doesn't trust their people. You delegate, you guide, and then you trust people to do. And there has to be allowance for people to make some small mistakes along the way without them being screamed at and yelled at. You said a very key thing though, guide. That is important because a lot of people can give commands and not guide as well. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, you you cannot totally delegate and like, you know, lepas tangan until you show that the person is capable, has the key competencies to be able to execute um, the job, the project, you know. Hmm. Another thing I find is uh, in toxic eaters is a total lack of respect for boundaries and employees' rights. That my employee has the right, my subordinate has the right not to be talked down to, not to be shouted at. Uh, not to, you know, have gas, be gaslighted, not to have sarcasm, sarcasm thrown on him. And then you have the leaders who are biased, they show favoritism. Hmm. Some of them are aggressive. You know, we, we've known people, we've seen people who just reduce everyone to, to, to freeze a frozen state, quiet frozen state because they're coming in yelling about. And then, um, of course, playing employees against one another. I've known leaders that do that. Right. You know, he said this about you, you said this about them. Mm. And then, you know, refusal to listen to new ideas. You have leaders who, especially when they have the millennials, like, were full of ideas, brimming with ideas, and very good ideas at that because they're one of the most clued in um, sort of generations of our time. Right. And they'll come in and be, and, you know, say, yeah, I've got this great idea, boss, to do this, and the boss says, hey, hello, you just came in now. Six months ago, you think you can change everything. I've been here 20 years and we've been doing it this way and that's fine. And so what you do is you just wash people, you know. Right. Mm. Yeah. And finally, you know, I know those leaders who put personal interest first. So going back to Simon Sinek, he was doing this research with the U.S. Navy SEALs, right? Mm. And he asked them what is their criteria, the components that they use for selecting people for the elite force. And the training head said there are two, we, I mean, we, we, we sort of plot these people on a matrix of performance versus trust. Mm. All right. So you can have people who are in the quad, quadrant of high performance, high trust. Okay, that one definitely they get in. But you have people high performance, low trust. I mean, low trust meaning that how can I trust you? How much can I trust you? High performance, low trust. Even though they are high performers, can pass all their, you know, medical and fitness and all those, you know, shoot, run and all that. But if they are low trust, they don't want them in the team. Mm. They're happy with mediocre or just slightly above average performance who have high trust because this is an environment where you need to trust. So, this is something we might want to consider in um, promoting people to leadership. I, I think it's a, it's a great um, thing to look at, that trust factor. Because you can be a leader, Frida, but if people don't trust you, right. if your performance behavior over the years has, has sort of like, you know, created a lot of mistrust, in leadership position, people do things because they have to, mm. not because they want to follow you. Right. Okay, we're talking about developing leaders for healthy organizations. Uh, Sheila Singham from Human Equation is here. We're going to discuss you know, what are the critical skills needed uh, in just a moment. Stay tuned to Race Again, BFM 89.9. Brewing Frothy Mocha, BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
You're listening to Race Again. Good morning, Frida Liu here. Sheila Singham from Human Equation. Uh, last Monday of the month on Race Again, we're talking about developing leaders for healthy organizations. Um, you know, we're talking about toxic, uh, toxic skill, uh, toxic leaders, and all that, right? And how do we then develop uh, leadership skills? So, what are the critical leadership skills uh, that we need to impart to people? I think in this current environment. Um, it's a good idea to ask people what they want from their leaders. Now, it it takes very transparent and uh, honest and authentic leaders to go down like Turun Kapadang actually and ask people, so what do you want from your leaders? What do you want from the leadership of this organization? So for me, if you were to ask me what was important in someone that I would look up to as a leader, First thing I would say is emotional intelligence. Mm. Their ability to manage their self and their relationships with others and to, you know, hold good relationships with people so that they're able to influence people. And uh, so this includes self-awareness. Leaders have to be very self-aware at all times. You have leaders who say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm running the company very well. Look at the financial results. But then you look at people, they're unhappy, they're long faces, um, you know, motivation level down. So how are you a good leader? So you need to go around and be asking people, right? And then, of course, you're managing your state, your communication and so on. The next type of thing that leaders need to have with that is spiritual intelligence. And Mm. by this, I don't mean they need to be religious, Mm. but they need to have a passion for the job, a passion for their people, a caring and ability to stay inspired and motivated every day so that they can inspire and motivate others. How can you inspire and motivate people if you are jaded and, you know, you really don't want to be there and you're just going through the motions, doing the job on a day-to-day basis just to earn your salary? Right. Another thing that leaders need to have, Mm -hmm. I feel, is a very strong value system. They should be driven by integrity, authenticity, and they need to have a purpose Mm -hmm. so that they can be trusted and, and have vision, vision for the organization. Right. They can see the big picture. They can pivot when it needs to, especially in the past year, right, with COVID-19 just bringing everything to a standstill. They need to be able to steer the company and its people in the direction, be able to calm people, be able to reassure people. They need to have innovation skills. Uh, agile leadership is the new buzzword. They need to be looking into that, which means that it's a very collaborative form of leadership, which is very people-oriented. Um, leaders need to be accessible. They cannot sit in an ivory tower with like five gatekeepers, and then you know, um, and they have to have a culture where anybody should be able to walk into the office to give them ideas, tell them what's right, what's wrong, give them opinions, and so on. And they also need to be very protective about their people. Hmm. raising their people, empowering their people, give credit where it's due, you know, sort of have succession planning and mentoring people and so on. Right. You know, uh, you you were saying that uh, sometimes earlier on, right, even when you're making money, is that, you know, we we can say, well, we're doing well, we're making money. Right. So does that mean that's great leadership skills? Um, Well, I would say that great performance that great competency technically you know how to run a company and make money Mm. but how are you doing it Um, are you doing it with people who are productive because 
they want to be productive because they have a sense of ownership of the company which you've helped to inculcate, which where a culture that you have helped to drive, or are people just doing their job because you know you are punishing them? Especially at this time, people are so scared to lose their job if they don't know in this environment whether they can get other jobs. Right. So you know, how are you doing this? Are you applying the using the power of your position to to inspire and motivate people or are you doing it because you are naturally someone who leads so that people want to follow? Right. So, so should we wait for people to achieve leadership positions before we teach them leadership skills or can everyone benefit from them? We should definitely not be waiting for people to get into leadership positions before we teach them. Everybody can be a leader. I mean, it's, it's a matter of are you an excellent, great leader or sort of average, above average leader, even if people are in the lower ranks of the organization, you know, if a union is a classic um, example, you know, union people are not at management position, but some of them are very powerful and can lead people. So we raise leaders by teaching them leadership skills. Mm. And my philosophy in life has never been to wait until you are in a role to learn how to fill that role. I personally went and learned stuff before the opportunity um, arose, you know. So you should learn the skills necessary for the role you aspire to have before it comes. If you never want to be a leader, fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least learn some of those leadership skills, like for your family members, your children, and some, uh, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Don't tell yourself I'm a lowly executive or a mm-hmm. manager who can't rise up anymore to be a leader because the corporate structure doesn't have a place in the higher ranks for me. I cannot go above this level. You know, learn leadership skills and become bigger than your role, and mm-hmm. dare to dream and prepare for the leadership role. You will one day have, if not in this organization, then somewhere else. If you show those skills and you shine, there will be people who will want you. Hmm. Now, if their organization doesn't see the need to equip them with leadership skills, right? how can employees acquire them? For me, it's there's so many resources available out there, Frida. Mm-hmm. You know, online, virtual. Today, we've come a, a society that can so easily learn virtually as compared to a year, two years ago. So learn, learn, learn everything you can related to leadership. Learn from other great leaders. Read biographies, autobiographies. Watch YouTube videos on leadership. Become self-aware. Start asking people, you know, whatever level you are, executive, manager, whatever, go and ask people about strength, your strengths and weaknesses. I mean, take people out to coffee and say, look, be very honest. What do you think are my strengths? What do you think are my weaknesses? Hmm. So learn to capitalize on the strengths and work on the weaknesses. Learn outside of your job scope because, you know, leaders need to have a big picture of the entire organization. So if you're just stuck in one role for a long time, you're not going to be able to expand out of that. So sort of go and find out what other departments are doing. If there's an opportunity to check on yourself and, and, and support other departments, do it. Learn to get along with people, learn communication skills, collaborate, be generous with your time, your resources, your knowledge. Inspire people where, wherever you are. It's, it's not about what role you are given. Mm-hmm. It's about in that milieu in which you function, in that environment in which you work or function or live, be that light, be that leader who right. can influence people 
because of the impact that you have. And of course, if you have a credible leader in or out of your organization, another organization, another company, um, or family member or friend who is you look up to and think has fantastic leadership qualities, you can just write out, go and ask them to mentor or coach you. Hmm. All right. So some little things that we can do. Um, and yes, you know, sometimes you just, you have to take ownership of your own growth as well. I always believe and not just wait for your organization uh, to provide that for you. Uh, so thanks for uh, spending time with us this morning, Developing Leaders for Healthy Organizations. Sheila Singham from Human Equation. Uh, she will join us again for the last Monday of next month. This has been Racy Game, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.